they've made another version of a Christmas Carol. And at what point do we start telling some other Christmas stories? Because um, <laughs> um, there's definitely been about four versions of that in my lifetime. Um, uh, more, I'd which, say. Is, which is fucking weird. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Players Podcast. My name is Ronan Hamill, I'm the Productions Manager of Queen's University Players and once again I'm joined by... Chris McCamiskey, the Treasurer of Queen's University Players. And we're recording this at an ungodly hour on a Sunday morning. Um, I'm saying that it's not. It's quarter to eleven. Most people yeah, but are fine, unga- but for us... We're night owls, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. And for, listeners will not be aware that we usually record these never before half four in the afternoon. Absolutely not, because we're not up until then. So if we sound a little bit more um, relaxed and, and chilled out, it's just because we're sleepy. We have This is literally like, you know, the first conversation I've had today. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Um, anyway, Chris, what's been going on this week? How are things? I'm all right, Hamill. How are you? Yeah, fine. You know, we've um, we've a busy sort of last week or two coming up for players, so um, we do prepped plenty and ready of shows to, go. to come. And of yeah. course, we'll be joined by our guest later, Lucy Walton, the director of our penultimate uh, first semester show, uh, "Murder at the Paradise Hotel." Indeed. Um, what's been going on in the uh, the world outside of players, Mims? Well, in the world outside of players. Um, we have the bit of national theatre news, which we talked about on the other podcast we recorded this week, but we're not sure whether it's going to make it in because our wee bit at the start here is going to be very short on yeah. that one. Um, so basically, in a nutshell, the news is that the National Theatre have launched a streaming service of sorts called National Theatre at Home, uh, based presumably on their uh, broadcasts of previous productions via YouTube through the early part of lockdown. Um, It's sort of eight pounds or so. It's about the price of Netflix, basically, Um, but with uh, a collection of plays. So that's a really great thing. And and it's something that I know we talked about in a previous podcast. Um, Should be something they've been doing for a long time, but they've only started now. It, It seems very odd. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it is a great idea, um, especially in the current circumstances with not, you know, being able to go to actual live theatre. Um, it's a, it's nice to see um, them sort of, I suppose, changing their attitudes to some degree, because I think over lockdown they're happy to do it, but there was still this attitude of sometimes of, well, you can't make a streaming service for theatre shows because it's not theatre. Um, and, you know, I understand that point of view a little bit, but some people can't some people can't access it otherwise do you know Um, and some people don't live in london yeah exactly it'll be interesting to see um how that all works out in terms of the the balance between streaming and live services um when things start to open up again i I know that um you were going to mention and we suppose we may as well go into this now um yes that's a very good setup yes um basically uh this story was yesterday no friday friday 
Um, and Warner Brothers have announced that they will release all their films in 2021 on, um, I think, HBO Max. Yeah. And in cinemas at the same time. So that's, you know, they'll be both on streaming and in the cinema concurrently. Um, I Presumably for a full run in the cinema. Um, it's yeah. not sort of an Irishman situation. No, it's, um, I think what they're doing is it's on HBO Max for a month. Um, yeah. At the same time, like so, in, yes, as you say, the release date it appears both in theaters and in HBO on HBO Max. Um, but after a month, it'll disappear from HBO Max, but continue to be in theaters. Um, yeah. um, for context, for people um, who aren't sure exactly what films we're talking about here, you're talking about films like the remake of June, mm-hmm. um, The Matrix Four. Um, and a handful of others, uh, a lot of the DC stuff. I think it's an interesting strategy overall. Um, yeah. It's it's sort of strange. I, it, it worries me to some degree that if this is particularly successful, it's just occurred that, that's to me. how it happens from now on, you know? It's just occurred to me. HBO Max is only in the US. Um, HBO's streaming services are unusual, though. Um, yes. Is HBO Max the, only in the US? I'm not sure. HBO Max itself is only in the US. I think HBO are going to do a deal with other streaming services for global distribution. It feels like uh, cinemas and I mean, we, we, have, we already had cinemas open again, you know, here. They're just not currently, yeah. but um, it feels like that will all go back to normal a bit sooner here than it might do in the US. Um, or even at that, it might go back to normal here to the extent that people will be comfortable going. Uh, whereas yes. in the US, it the, the level of uh, the pandemic has been so severe that a lot of people might have quite a bit of anxiety about going back to cinemas. Um, and so Warner Brothers, I think, are attempting to um, get ahead of the game there um, and give people this other option. I, I kind of hope, I, I hope it's sort of semi-successful just to the extent that people can get to see some of these films if they don't feel comfortable going to cinemas. But I also yeah. hope that it's not successful enough that it means people just expect yeah. it from now on. Yeah. I think judging by what they're saying about it, it, it does look like it is a temporary move. We'll, we'll not worry about it for now and see what happens. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, that's good for now. Uh, good to get caught up with what's going on. Um, we will take a short break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Lucy Walton. Uh, we'll be back in a second. And we're back, and we are joined now by the co-writer and director of our next production, Murder at the Paradise Hotel, Lucy Walton. Lucy, Hello. how are you? I'm good. How are you? Sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all pretty tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, are you, how are you more generally with the show? It's coming up this week. Uh, are you excited nervous uh what way are you at this stage yeah I think it's just so mad how quickly it went because whenever we cast it they were like oh you have five weeks I was like plenty of time and now it's like three days away um so at the minute we're doing you know quite a few rehearsals but it's more just getting everyone comfortable with the tech that it'll run smoothly on the night. So boring, but essential work going on at the mm. minute. Um, yeah, but other than that, it's all been it's all been a blast. It's been really good. 
that's good to hear. You don't. It's nice to hear when the director's enjoying themselves doing the show rather than like shaking with nerves. Misery. Yeah. Um, Not yet. Not yet. Well, yeah. This there's, there's time, isn't <laughs> yes. there? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I suppose at this juncture, we should actually ask you: Do you want to give us a sort of brief tease, a brief synopsis of what the play is actually about? If you can't tell from the title. Yes. Um, it's it's a. a Oh, hold on. Let me get this right. Okay. <laughs> it's a comical murder mystery. Um, so it is set on the remote island of Rathgin off the coast of Ireland um, in a hotel called the Paradise Hotel, which is reopening after it burnt down 20 years ago. And we're, we see the characters on opening night, some guests, um, but the case 20 years ago kind of never closed. There's some evidence that's come up that there might have been a bit of foul play involved. Um, and that is kind of leaning over the characters in the play at that stage. And then a murder happens. Um, and, dun, dun, yeah. dun. <laughs> and uh, I'm so bad with the synopsis. But yeah, so it's kind of an interactive thing. The audience are figuring out what's going on as the characters are and you have to follow along and try and figure out who it is who did it you you did have this um written originally so obviously we should say that you wrote this co-wrote this along with uh roshi mcgillen um and it was a stage play i think initially you had it in your mind was it yeah, so th this is like the third generation of this show. So a few years ago, um, this was performed with my amateur dramatics group. Um, and we all kind of, you know, put it together um, with Roshan and Roshan Go. Um, then whenever lockdown happened, I was doing a lot of quizzes, but then I got bored of doing the quizzes. So I had done a kind of murder mystery night. You can buy these boxes and do them over like a dinner party. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I wonder, could you just do that on Zoom? Um, so I did that with a group of my mates and they all really enjoyed it. And that's why I then had the kind of social aspect of it done. And then whenever Zoom plays come up, I was like, oh, I've never thought about directing play before and that would be pretty good. So I then amalgamated the two, so the stage play and the Zoom party to create <laughs> Zoom murder mystery play. Yeah, I think it is, I think um, that sort of genesis is, you can sort of see it through it because it does, it does feel like quite a unique thing, um, yeah. I feel anyway. Um, and it, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it, I have to say, just because I think it is something a bit different. Um, how, have you, how have you found that process in terms of adapting it in the sense that it, it's, it has come through several you know, iterations? And do you feel that directing it as an actual play now, you, do you feel like you're taking it more seriously as like a work of art? Or is it just, you know, it's the same thing to you and you just kind of want to give a good account of it? Um, I, I think um it, it it's even adapted when we started rehearsals um so it was important to me that I am not I'm not a writer um that that was something that I hadn't done before so I had kind of amalgamated the script and put everything together um but I thought it was really important that every actor put their own um twist on each of the characters so I kind of had an archetypal idea of what I wanted but I didn't want a reiteration of the show that I was in um I wanted something new so they all had a really strong input into it that way I think I think what we learned in doing it is that 
even though my cast is an ensemble, they are acting by themselves. It is solo performance. Um, and that has been the biggest learning thing for me is that as much as I'm directing them to work together, most of the acting they're doing is for the audience that's watching because that's the only person that can kind of give them the, the feedback that they need. Um, so that's definitely something that I've learned. And then just coming from it, this is my directorial debut. I've never <laughs> directed anything before. Um, I've done a lot of acting. And just learning that I'm I'm not playing all the parts. So don't come in and try and just act it and then yeah. be like, do that. Yeah. Uh, that's not how to do it. Um, so that was kind of something for me, like let your actors do their job um, and just guide them along the way. I think it's a really interesting point you made there about everyone's acting alone. Um, it's very true, I think, um, from what I, I know, I haven't been involved in any Zoom production myself personally, um, but from rehearsals that I've sat in on, it does have that feel sometimes and it's it, to establish that connection is difficult and maybe even more so. And I don't, maybe this is an exaggeration because I suppose everyone's in their different homes anyway, but you've actually got cast uh, in different countries um, working on this, which must be an unusual experience as well. Yeah, we have a cast member in Spain and a cast member in England. Uh, so we have a slight time change as well. The uh, lens and our head. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Because when when I was thinking of doing warm ups and things, I think the typical drama thing is let's run around and play tag and be together. Um, but they're not. Yeah. Um, so it's it's getting them prepared for an hour of them performing by themselves because what the cast kind of brought forward to me as well was in a in a play like this you would hear an audience laugh yeah and there there is no audience they've got nothing like that to feed off so they just have to kind of trust what I've told them yeah yes that's funny yeah. <laughs> people are laughing in the in the virtual abyss but you just can't hear them uh <laughs> but just just hope it's going well yeah <laughs> um so yeah, but then I think that's why it's good that they've had time to get to know each other as well. Because then they sort of know each other's style of acting and they can kind of let them do their own thing, but know when to come in. And, you know, it's... Yeah, um, you're not sitting there thinking, oh God, have they forgotten their line? Uh, you yes. know you know how they're doing it and you know to wait for them or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. with your sort of directing role as you said this is your first players directing production um have do you have you do you feel you've learned anything obviously it's difficult again over zoom it's very different actually being in a theater space do you feel you've learned anything about yourself in terms of how you approach these tasks oh yeah the the first day i went on i, I left the call and i was like right okay i'm gonna take notes on myself here um, <laughs> I I um I did the work-based learning module this year and worked with Pine Size Productions. Mm -hmm. And Nula Donnelly is the artistic director for them. And just watching her direct, I learned a lot from that, what I kind of thought directing was. Um I think Mimsy came out with a line, you're you're a director, not a dictator. Uh and um I think that's so true. So it's just learning how your actors react to different tacks. Some actors will love lots of questions. Um, and I think that's important, like really understanding your character, grounding them in a solid backstory location um, and 
history. So that was what the first couple of weeks of rehearsals were. You know, who are you? Why are you here? What's your relationship with this person? Um, so getting all that sorted. And then I used the um, actioning. So actioning lines, which would yeah. be I something you with the line. I tease you. Uh, and a lot of actors loved doing that. Some just don't you know, don't want to do that. Um, improvisation works for some actors and doesn't work for others. So it's been nice having such a big cast because I've been able to use all those different techniques with all the different actors and seeing how it works. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely been a learning experience. And again, just on the Zoom platform, it's not being patient with your actors, but just being patient with the, the tech you know yeah <laughs> um, and you know sometimes people just leave the call in the middle of the thing and you just have to wait that's just the nature of the thing and yeah. um things like that so yeah it's been it's been good you have been heavily involved so far this year with players um this is your second production obviously you were in our freshers production the last year um and you uh you weren't really involved as much last year you uh, you were behind the scenes on one or two shows um was that a conscious decision in your part this year you were like I'm gonna you know put myself forward a bit more for these things um I had well, I had auditioned um for players shows from first year um just I, I think it's that kind of that thing of you know the the right show will come um entirely. Yeah. so i had i had done a lot of the auditions but never applied for anything behind the scenes so thought well well like i'd i've seen all nearly all the player or yeah players productions um and i really did want to get involved so i thought all oh, right okay i'll do stage management something i had no knowledge of prior to going into it. um that's my my dad says we have no excuse as a generation these days when we have Google. So I watched a few videos of people stage managing Fair things enough. and yeah. yeah, took took notes. So I did Mercury Fur and then I auditioned for the Freshers Play and and just kind of because I, I just like going and because it's nice as a director when you see lots of people turning up and it gives them lots of options. So I auditioned for that. Uh, yeah, and then Kathleen was happy and cast me. So I had a great time doing that. And then thought, yeah, sod it. I'll just just do the directing too. Might do sound next semester, lighting. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> well, it's it's a nice example, as you say. You you had you had auditioned before, but just hadn't been successful for you, um, or whatever. And I suppose that's a, a good indication for you know new members as well that. Well, it's not a case of necessarily nepotism. As people get to know you, your chances probably improve more in getting selected for something purely because people know you're reliable and you know they're going to do your job, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's yeah. always different avenues in. But as you say as well, sometimes it's just the right show comes along for you. And I think for the last year, you were perfect for that part. You did that so well. Um, it, it really it really worked for you in that way. And it's, it's probably the perfect example of that while the, if you happen to know the director, it can be an advantage. It can also be a disadvantage. And, you know, you and, you and Kathleen had never met before the last show, I don't think. So, no. you know, that's the perfect example of, that's absolutely not something that's um, necessary or even asked for, um, because, you know, you turn up to the audition and you you do your thing and um, maybe you get cast and maybe you don't. 
Lucy, uh, we would like to know uh, what you've been, you know, watching, listening to, reading um, currently. So if you could have three sort of cultural highlights, things that you think people should be um, checking out at the minute, uh, either current stuff or just stuff that you happen to have found recently that's from years ago, um, what would they be? See, I'm an avid listener to the podcast. So my first one is kind of a bit of self self promotion in a, in a way. Uh, Pine Size Productions did a series called Cityscapes, which was uh, five actors performing self written monologues and already established monologues, all by Northern Irish writers and Northern Irish actors. And those videos were recorded and they're all up on the Pine Size Productions YouTube channel. Uh, and those are a, another really good example of adapting theatre for the current circumstances. The other one I have is I am a big Tim Minchin fan. Uh, he's a musical comedian and writer of Matilda the Musical. He just released his new album, Apart Together, it's called. Um, it's goes from being depressingly sad to very funny. So definitely, definitely give that a, a listen. And the last one's a bit random, uh, but uh, I, I like watching YouTube videos. And um, this YouTube channel I've got into now is called Binging with Babish. Yes! Lucy, we're, we're, we're so connected. Yes. We're so connected here. Yes. Ah! <laughs> yes. Yeah, isn't it so good? Yes! He recreates, uh, he recreates weird foods from film and TV. And it's just so satisfying to watch. Yes, they're they're just it such well made videos. It's the best videos. thing on YouTube. It yeah. just is. Um, but yeah, he's 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 really good. And yes, if you're if you're not following him on YouTube, people should be because he's great. Yeah. He's awesome. Um, yeah, um, that's kind of us, Lucy. That's uh, I very much enjoyed your cultural highlights there. Um, <laughs> uh, but also the rest of the conversation. It's been lovely talking to you. Um, Murder at the Paradise Hotel is on this Wednesday and Thursday, the 9th and 10th. Yeah, and obviously the links for that will go up on our um, Facebook page um, for you to tune in on Zoom. Um, speaking of, Christopher McComiskey, do you want to give away our uh, social media links there, as usual? Hmm. We are Queen's University Players Facebook page. We are at QU Players on Instagram, and you can contact us with questions, inquiries, um, say hi um, on players at qub.ac.uk or by direct message to any of our social media. Hey, it's been great having you, Lucy. Chris, yes, thank you, nice sir. to see you again. Um, sorry, Lucy, that. cut you off totally there. Um, no, I was just going to say thank you so much for having me. It's been good. Not a problem. Um, it's been really nice talking to you. Um, we'll be back soon. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.